Do you enjoy playing relaxing puzzle games on your phone? I do. It's even better when they're free and you can collect prizes along the way. Welcome to Two Dots. I have been playing Two Dots to relax my mind, unwind, and there's something very methodical about it. The premise of the game is you connect dots horizontally, vertically, but never diagonally. And you head from level to level. And as I mentioned, you do collect points along the way if you are into that. More than 5,000 puzzles to keep you engaged and relaxed after a very long day. Uniquely designed challenges challenges, game modes, and levels to choose from based on what adventure you are into. And by the way, you can download it for free right now on your Android phone or iOS. I also like the color template of this game. It's very, it's giving me very like pastel-y vibes. So yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it too. If you are ready to kick back and unwind, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS and start connecting. Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. Igor Volsky is here. Um, I just said to you before we started, I said, you are like a person that I want to see go out of business, but yet I adore seeing you. So, you know, that's that's not like, <laughs> it's a good thing and it's, you know, a bad thing at the same time. Well, you know, I, if, I feel like if I advocate myself out of business, out of existence, I'm doing this right. That's because true. I'm pursuing... Uh, a strategy that doesn't take into consideration kind of political pressures that are uncomfortable, that understands, right, that sometimes you have to push your friends to live up to their commitments. And so I appreciate you saying that. And I actually take it to heart and take it very seriously because our job as gun violence prevention advocates should be to do everything we can to make progress, not serve as extensions of one political party or another. You're an amazing human being, and I'll save all that for the end, but I want to get into this. Um, you know, you you did my podcast five years ago, and I think it was after, like, it would have been like 2016. I, I You know, I'm trying to think of the mass shooting. Sadly, we've had many. Um, but I think maybe it was San Bernardino or one of those, and, you know, my audience just was so taken by you. And one of the things that I first attract was so attracted to you on Twitter is you would tweet out all of these politicians, our senators, our representatives who took uh, donations from the NRA. And, you know, they would write thoughts and prayers, which I think they're doing less of now, right? Because they know Americans are on to that foolish narrative where they say that and then they don't do anything. Is that yeah, right? You know, that is right. And when I first uh, did that action, you're right, after San Bernardino in late 2015, entirely out of sheer anger 
that I was seeing lawmakers who had voted against expanding background checks in the aftermath of Newtown now pretending that they care about victims of gun violence, right? When they had the chance to act, they chose to do nothing. When I took that action, even Democrats had the practice of sending thoughts and prayers, waiting a couple of days. This was all customary, waiting a couple of days and only then getting into discussing policy solutions. And I'm proud to say that I think the action after San Bernardino, and then I did something very similar after the Pulse shooting, really kind of pushed people into recognizing that on on issues of life and death and issues that can be so incredibly preventable we as as leaders people with actual power have a responsibility to not wait and pray and stay silent that what those victims deserve what those survivors need is action and we know right the momentum for action the window for action is so narrow um, and so I'm, I'm glad to see that part of that practice, at least for, for Democrats, has changed. Good. And, and, you know, it's a testament to your work because I do think people, you know, I think we all believed it six years ago when they would tweet it out that they really were thoughtful and they really were. And then, of course, we realize here we are, you know, in 2020. Um, just for people that, you know, may want a refresher, you are the executive director of Guns Down America. You also wrote a book since I've talked to you last, Guns Down. So people need to buy, buy, buy that and they need to follow you, Igor Volsky, on Twitter. Um, you know, we're all so heartbroken from everything that happened in Uvalde. Um, tell, but I, I hear the frustration in your voice. I mean, what is it going to take? What's it going to I mean, we have, we, President Biden could order an executive order. I even heard an interview where you say after everything that the Biden administration campaigned on to stopping gun violence in this country, there isn't one person in his administration that is exclusively working on reducing gun violence. That was shocking to hear. Shocking. I mean, well, once, it's go on. Mm-hmm. You you talk. I'm so frustrated like everybody. No, look, I'm I'm right there with you and and in terms of the administration, they don't have a single senior level staffer uh who's responsible solely responsible for this issue which as I say is absolutely just embarrassing, frankly, for a president who told us when he was campaigning that this would be such a priority for him. You know, I, and and this is where we might start losing listeners a little bit, uh, because this is not popular, um, but I believe it's really important to say, um, you know, we are in this cycle as a country where a shooting happens. We talk about it for a couple of days or a week if it's really big. We maybe try to do some small ball action, which is kind of what's happening in the Senate now. And then we forget and we move on and the cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. And the question that I've been asking myself is who should uh, and who could break that cycle? And my answer is people with actual power who made certain promises to us about building safer communities have a responsibility to do everything they can to try and um, actually create muscle memory that when a shooting happens, lawmakers try to build safer communities. And what has frustrated me about this president and this administration is that they absolutely refuse, absolutely refuse to invest real political capital 
in trying to make progress. And look, I understand that there are structural challenges, right? We can't overcome the filibuster uh, with gun safety legislation because Republicans have built an entire identity around gun ownership. That's more important to them than the lives of their constituents. We don't have enough votes to um, change Senate rules and pass background checks or other measures with simply a simple majority. Uh, and I, I'm not suggesting that if Joe Biden, um, you know, did some magical thing that those structural problems go away. But what I am saying, and I, I'm trying to, you know, kind of maybe say it differently or be clear about this because I get so much pushback from my friends in the movement, from Democrats and progressives across the country who tell me, why are you blaming Biden? It's Republicans who are to blame. And I agree, of course, Republicans are to blame. They're not interested in saving lives. But my expectations for Biden are simply higher than they are. Yeah, I think all of us. Right. I mean, you know, and after Newtown, President Obama was so close, you know, so close to getting uh, tougher gun laws and it didn't happen. And, you know, I think we were all hoping maybe President Biden and his administration could get something and it's it is so discouraging because we voted you know us democrats voted for him for that part of that reason you know i mean it's so you have well, to say I, it is that that's the thing i expect him yeah to go big because he promised big and i would just argue that one would be much in a much better place politically if he traveled the country to impacted communities building support for common sense gun safety reforms, if he was able to uh, begin the process of transferring this 90% support that we have for background checks and channeling it into actual pressure on key lawmakers, you know, if he opened a White House office of gun violence prevention to really signal to the American people that this is a higher priority now in his administration, there's a higher level of presidential leadership that's appropriate given the size of the crisis. If he really showed America that he wasn't a passive stand stander by, which is how what he's choosing to be, and is instead fighting and doing everything he can to save lives. To me, that's A, the moral thing to do, and B, there's real political advantage to go to voters and say, I fought as hard as I could. I, f I may have failed because of the structural challenges we face. And that's why you have to vote for, uh, for lawmakers who support, support gun safety legislation, who will give me the votes to get these bills across the finish line. We're almost there. I need you to push us and get us where we need to be. That is just so much more compelling as an, elect, as an election message, if you're just gonna talk about politics, as a, as a get out to vote message than what he's currently saying, which is, I can't do any executive actions. I don't want to be like Trump. I can't get Mitch McConnell to do these things. Everything is really hard. Nobody voted for you to tell us what you can't do. People voted for you to fight for the promises you made us. So start fighting. That's what this administration doesn't understand, not just on this issue, but I think on a whole host of issues. So, OK, putting on, you know, the friends that push back on you, the progressive. Yeah. Out, why? Why is he not doing that? You know, he did go on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, and he said, I'm, I'm not going to be like Trump. I'm not going to abuse these powers, which we saw with the Trump administration that people were also so frustrated with. So what's the what's the other side to it? Why do you he think he's not doing this? And let me just say, in terms of the Kimmel comments, he's absolutely wrong that taking executive actions 
uh, would abuse powers or would be somehow similar to Trump. You know, the gun violence prevention movement in February, ahead of the State of the Union, sent him a three-page letter outlining executive actions he could take that are fully in his purview to help make progress on this issue. Uh, so it's simply false to say that there's nothing he could do. Um, the reason why I think, and this is speculative, of course, you would have to ask them, but they are very much convinced that if he spends a lot of time on this issue, a, he will ultimately lose, and voters don't necessarily want to see another loss, right? Um, and two, that the issue will simply energize the other side, uh, and the other side will come in, uh, and, um, and that will have electoral consequences um, in the midterms and beyond. And I guess my argument here is, you know, this is a uh, Joe Biden has spent his entire career in politics. He told us uh, when he was running in the primary that he has 30 years of Senate experience. He could bring Democrats and Republicans together to get big things done. Um, we're in an issue that has, again, 90 percent approval rating. If a politician can't take 90 percent approval rating and turn it into something meaningful, right, that is literally the art of politics then maybe he's not a particularly good politician. Like the, the, this concession that um, this issue plays better for Republicans is leaving the battlefield before you even engage in the war. Like may, like maybe, but 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 shouldn't you at least fight? Isn't it your job to fight? Um, so uh, that's 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 what they believe. Um, but I will just also point out that the approval ratings for this president are in the 30s. I know. What do you have to so lose? <laughs> you know, I mean, possible that maybe their theory that what's what Americans really want to see is a president who operates within this very narrow frame. Uh, maybe that's not. And on, on the gun issue, he's entirely underwater, by the way. So, like, you know, part of the other thing I say is if those numbers were higher, and that is if people actually brought in, bought into their theory uh, of change, then, OK, maybe I'm wrong. But that's not what I'm seeing across this country. Uh, across this country, people are saying we want tougher gun laws and we're actually not happy with how this president is handling it. So let's, you know, because lots of times even I get confused because every state has some has different gun laws. Can you take us through what are the what are the national gun laws right now in our country? So, I mean, there's a whole series of uh, both national laws and state laws, although gun laws are, are predominantly made on the state level. Okay. Uh, but there are certain federal standards. So, for instance, um, in 1993, we were able to pass uh, a national background check law, which says that if you are purchasing a firearm through a federally licensed dealer, that's a gun shop, or it could also be online in certain online stores, that you have to undergo a background check and certain prohibited purchasers, categories of people, people who've con been convicted of a felony, for instance, uh, are not able to pass that check and are thus not able um, to purchase a firearm. So that's really the big one. And the, the conversation and the debate about uh, the background check question is, can we expand the current law to include all gun sales, right? Because the big loophole is, if I'm a convicted felon and I know that I'll be denied a background check if I walk into a, a, into a gun store, I can just 
you know, look at an ad online. Okay, this this conversation with Igor, oh my God, I have, I'm so fired up, so grateful for him. But I want to pause and thank some of our sponsors. 10 years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating. And today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy Ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, that's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. <laughs> Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.co, enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it, slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right? (laughs) You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. How ironic. I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of are youth travel sports ruining families? Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. 
You know, I feel like I'm going to have to get a caller-driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani Show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani Podcast. Enjoy. Guys, you know the best way to support this show because I do podcast full-time is to purchase from my sponsors. So I appreciate you listening to the ads and then falling in love with the products like I do. And every time you buy from one of my sponsors, boop, screenshot it, and I will send you a free Sarah Fraser Show t-shirt. I pay for shipping and all. So one of our newest sponsors is Nutrafol. 80 million men and women in the U.S. experience thinning hair, yet it's still not openly talked about, which can make going through it feel very scary and very very stressful, but with Nutrafol, what I love, I have been taking their supplement and it's working. It's Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage for men and women. So I take it, it has like a turmeric taste, but it's very easy. I take it with food, easy to digest. Um, and the thing is, I was at my acupuncturist the other day and she goes, oh my God, Sarah, you have the thickest hair. I'm like, <laughs> I know. And it's finally growing long again, you know, because I'm a mom. And once I had KJ, like my hair was growing thicker, but it wasn't growing longer. Thanks to Nutrafol, it is. I even got messages from you guys. Nicole hit me up and she goes, Sarah, I need to know if Nutrafol really works. I'm having trouble with hair thinning. And my answer is yes, it is working. I, of course, take other multivitamins. So I want to be honest with you guys. I also take a, um, I take magnesium, uh, vitamin B and um, a prenatal vitamin because you know I'm going for baby number two. So I take a lot of things in combination with Nutrafol. But the thing about Nutrafol that I love is if you are not satisfied, you can return the product for a 100% refund, which is really great, okay, because they stand by their products. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support my show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code TSFS to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, and the promo code is T-S-F-S, okay? So um, you can cancel your subscription at any time, and again, if you are not satisfied, you can get your money back. So with that, I always say, why not? Give it a go. Just to note, you have 30 days to return your product if you are not completely satisfied. Hello, Fresh. All right, look, uh, Schman and I have been using HelloFresh for years, long before they were even a sponsor, because one of my favorite things about HelloFresh is, in fact, their 30-minute meal plans. That's right. Don't you want more time to spend with your kids, watching your favorite TV show, reading a great book? We all do. Well, with HelloFresh, they have the freshest ingredients out there, which is what I love. And then on top of that, they have so many different kinds of meal plans. You can do Mediterranean, meat, vegetarian, keto, whatever your heart desires. HelloFresh is amazing, and it's America's number one meal kit. Mm-hmm. I know this. You can pause at any time. We're going on vacation coming up for three weeks, so we just hit pause, and then boom. HelloFresh, you can pick it up at any time. You pick the day of delivery, and you pick how many people. We obviously get meals for two, but you can do four, six, whatever fits your family. 
Foolproof step-by-step recipes mean a joyful cooking experience and a stress-free summer. Plus, HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 minutes. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant, and it's even cheaper than grocery shopping. Yes to all that. Go to HelloFresh.com TSFS and use the code TSFS for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Okay, go to HelloFresh.com TSFS and use code TSFS for six up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Another brand new sponsor to the show is Allbirds. Schman and I are wearing our Allbirds. Schman, we're doing this campaign together. Tell me about your tree runners. I love Allbirds and I love my tree runners. They are so comfortable and they're versatile and they're good for the environment. I know they're made from like eucalyptus plants, um, which is excellent. We love that. But I mean, Schman, how do you feel when you're putting on your Allbirds? Like, I mean, what is your feet? You're on your feet a lot as a soccer coach. So when you wear them, do your feet ache? No, I I, I only wear comfortable shoes. And that's why I love the Allbirds. And and sometimes I wear them with socks. Sometimes I don't. And I, I just feel light on my feet with them. How do your feet smell after you wear them? Like roses, I guess. <laughs> They're made from eucalyptus fiber. Schman and I are teaming up and we are doing all birds together. We have, well, we couldn't, you didn't want to get husband and wife matching um, tree birds, which I thought would have been cute. Tree runners. And <laughs> I'll keep you on task. And no, I don't want to be in matching outfits with my wife. I always say, God forbid people know we're together. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, you're too. Anyway, look, we absolutely love Allbirds. They're made with premium natural materials, as I mentioned, like eucalyptus fiber. They're designed with a breathable knit that keeps your feet cool while you're soaking up in the sun. Husband, wife, they have men and women. We're obsessed with Allbirds. We're super excited about this new sponsor that is on with us because of their thoughtful design, um, unnecessary frills or logos to go with every outfit. Order your Allbirds now, okay? They have so many great designs to choose from. From performance shoes, comfort shoes, go to allbirds.com. Uh, from person who's selling guns, meet that guy or gal in a parking lot, uh, purchase the firearm, no questions asked. And that's a really big loophole through which guns come into the system um, and are either then you know trafficked uh, in some kind of way and end up in crime uh, or are used um, in, in, in crime directly or used in suicides, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we know um, is that when you not only expand background checks, but you also, for instance, uh, adopt a licensing system, a registration system, which several states in this country have, um, that you are really able to reduce not only gun homicides, but also gun suicides, which is Mm. like about 60% of gun deaths in America. Okay. So right now, what is on the table? Like what, what would you, I know kind of when you do Guns Down America, when you know, you're talking, there's all kinds of things, buyback programs, all that stuff. But what is the legislation that could could pass right now? We know these red flags. Like, what is the proposal that's up? Well, so right now, uh, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut and Senator John Cornyn from Texas are leading a bipartisan group of senators who are trying to find some common ground on a package of gun laws, mental health provisions, and school security pieces. Those negotiations have been going on for, I think they're in week three now. They're only supposed to last for two weeks, but we're in week three. Um, And there are several gun pieces on the table, uh, the, the cornerstone of which 
is uh, dollars that would be sent to the states in order to encourage those states to establish uh, red flag laws, or they're also called emergency risk protection orders. And those are systems where if I as a family member or as a friend believe that my loved one uh, poses a danger to themselves or to the community, uh, and they have firearms. So if they're, for instance, going through uh, some kind of difficult time, if they're depressed, if they're going through a, a, a mental uh, health episode, um, if you know we're living obviously in an era of political radicalization, right? If they talk about the need to go after elected officials in a violent way, I can petition a judge to temporarily remove firearms from that person's home. Um, and then the individual who's in question can then make their case as well um, on whether or not that's fair. Um, and then the judge can decide um, whether or not uh, those, you know, th those firearms should be reclaimed. And what we know uh, is that in uh, the 19 states and the District of Columbia that have some form of a red flag law, uh, we do see some increases in suicides. Um, we do see some increases in homicides, and there have been numerous reported cases uh, of these kinds of measures preventing, potentially preventing mass shootings. So mm -hmm. it's a really effective policy tool, um, though this, in this particular negotiation, uh, we're not going to get a national um, red flag law. Uh, what, we're, what it looks like we might get um, is simply encouraging, incentivizing states to adopt these kinds of measures. Okay, so are we going to get anything nationwide? Like, are we going to get anything federally? Like, I mean, what do you think the chances are where even there's talk of raising the gun ownership um, age to 21? You know, we obviously know you can't drink legally in this country till 21. Is that on the table? Is there any chance that could pass? So that the, the House of Representatives passed that kind of bill out of the House uh, several days ago. That is not on the on the table in the Senate. Uh, Republicans have uh, pretty clearly, outside of maybe a couple, and I'm thinking of Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, uh, outside of a couple, have said that they don't believe they have ten Republican votes uh, in order to get that across the finish line. So it does not look like that's on the table either. Okay, um, we're getting more depressed uh, you know, as we go along. This is, this is the penalty of having me on. As this, we're getting every, more depressed. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk the uh, mental health, and then I want to get back to, I do think you have a, an interesting strategy of kind of who to lean on next um, to, yeah. to try to push this forward. Okay, mental health. You know, with this Uvalde killings, these killings at the school, you know, so much has been brought about this, um, this guy that that killed them, obviously, because he was so mentally disturbed. You know, I think people had known that he'd obviously sent a bizarre text message to a girl he was talking to prior. And there were many other things that have come out. But what is your take on mental health? Because a lot of people argue in this country, we do have more mental illness. This is I have no facts to back this up, but this is what you hear online. You know, we have a lot of mental illness in this country, maybe more than other countries. And that's really one of the roots of these mass shootings. Well, look, there are several things that are true here. 
Um, although I don't know that we necessarily have higher rates of, of mental illness than other. I don't either. Um, I hear people say that. Well, people here are more mentally disturbed. Well, it than is true. I, I don't I know. It is true that when you compare to other um, uh, other uh, uh, developed nations, I guess you would say, uh, that we probably have some of the weakest health delivery uh, systems to provide people access uh, to mental health care. And I would just argue as somebody who for the first part of my career worked on um, passing the Affordable Care Act, uh, it is always ironic to me uh, to hear the very same Republicans who argue uh, that it's a mental health problem and we need to increase access to mental health services voted against uh, the Affordable Care Act, which provided parity and insurance coverage uh, for physical health and mental health. But again, obviously, hypocrisy is it, it has not uh, ha has not taken down too many careers as of late. But I, I just want to point that out. Look. Uh, I think it's true that particularly after COVID, uh, the United States and many doctors and public health experts have warned is entering a a, 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 um, a mental health uh, uh, challenge, right? Both young people and, and older people and we depre uh, uh, depression rates are higher. We're seeing in some of the data, uh, gun suicides increasing in communities that don't typically uh, experience gun suicides, particularly young black men, those numbers are increasing. And that's all troubling. Um, but you look further into the research and you also recognize that people who have serious mental health challenges and diagnoses uh, are far more likely to be the victims of gun violence than they are to be um, uh, carrying those acts out. And if you zoom out even further and you look out on the international stage, uh, you quickly recognize that even nations with similar rates uh, of mental health challenges, similar depression rates, for instance, actually have far lower rates of gun violence, of homicides, of suicides, of mass shootings. And the reason is the variable there is tougher gun laws. Yeah. That it's, if, look, I or an individual uh, can go out and carry out a crime or or can can use a firearm against themselves for a whole multitude of reasons, right? It could be tied to mental health. It could be tied to some kind of political persuasion. It could be tied to, um, you know, a spontaneous decision. Uh, but if the firearm is harder to get, regardless of what the motivation is, you're going to see deaths go down. And that's the key piece here. And so oftentimes, particularly in our political conversation, mental health is purposely used as a way to distract attention from what I believe is the core of the problem, which is easy access to firearms. Um, talk to me about, okay, so so what can we do? And, and I'm wondering, you know, when you were on five years ago, I, I think there was a big push. I it, and I'm probably going to misquote you, so correct me. But I think there was a big push, you know, call our Congress people. And I can remember People Magazine um, did, you know, pages after pages of all our representatives in every state when, you know, San Bernardino, when um, that the mass shooting had happened. Um, and so I did that, you know, and I've lived in Democratic states. And, you know, you kind of, when you call, you get an intern who says, well, you know, so-and-so uh, is for this and that. And, yep, we're anti, you know, and then they kind of want you off the phone, you know, Um <laughs> So maybe it's just you. <laughs> or, maybe, or, maybe, or maybe it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my experience. Unclear, unclear, yeah. But, you know, it's like I kind of hear you saying 
um, like with grocery stores, right? And and you give the statistic that we've had something like 400 shootings at grocery stores since 2020. And you're kind of saying now, almost leaning on these big businesses that they need to really step up. And so I thought that's interesting. I wonder if we as citizens should be contacting our grocery store chains or our other, you know, companies that we don't necessarily think of, like that have a lot of power to say, hey, what are you doing? Is is that true? Do you, are you encouraging followers to do that? I am. But but let me say you should continue calling members of Congress. All right. They do. I mean, maybe not you. They don't seem to want to hear from you. But other people, <laughs> other people uh, should call. Uh, other people uh, should continue to tweet at them. I mean, all of that, honestly, all of that is calculated. And, you know, I mentioned, and let me just give you an example of how powerful that can be. Okay. I mentioned that I started my career and uh, for many years worked on uh, the Affordable Care Act. Um, and you'll remember when President Trump was elected in 2017, the first item on the agenda was to repeal Obamacare. Um, and I, uh, at that time, helped lead the effort to preserve the law. And the way we did that is we strategically drove calls of impacted constituents to key lawmakers, moderate Republicans, who we thought we could pressure to vote against repeal, right? Cross their party, cross then President Trump and vote against repeal. And we won. We were successful because we had a clear vision. We had a targeted approach. And despite Nobody thinking that this law would survive. The law is still here because in a smart way, Americans all across the country came together and pressured key lawmakers to say, no, I need my health care. I will die without my health care. And so that success, that victory um, really, you know, reinforces for me the importance of calling. So please keep calling. Do not stop calling. Okay. On corporate peace. Um, you know, part of what I think led to the success of the marriage equality movement, um, part of why I think we're so much further along, certainly than we were, you know, 10, 20 years ago on climate issues, is because those advocates understood the power of pulling in non-political voices into their cause. And what you do when you pull in, for instance, corporations, businesses, people from the entertainment industry, is that those voices are able to reach different kinds of audiences. So people who like tune out politics, for instance, or whatever Joe Biden or Mitch McConnell have to say, they're able to shape and build arguments in apolitical ways that break through um, and they're able to create a culture change that politicians simply are, are not particularly well suited uh, to do. So in the marriage uh, context, you'll remember that one of the first ways that you begin you begin to see a change in public opinion in terms of you know equality for for LGBTQ Americans is, you saw large corporations begin to offer benefits, health benefits, et cetera, to same-sex partners. And once you once that kind of spread across corporate America, and that was no, that was an organized effort, by the way. That was no accident. Okay. Um, you started to see uh, corporations coming out 
against uh, anti-LGBTQ legislation on the state level, on the federal level, and begin to create political pressure on conservative lawmakers to drop and to drop those kinds of efforts. And it had real power. Um, there, you were able to build power by activating non-political voices. And I'm trying to do the same thing in the gun space. Only here, as we were reminded by the Buffalo shooting, uh, corporations are on the very front line of the gun violence crisis. They experience the consequences of our weak gun laws every single day. Sometimes it's a mass shooting at Tops. Uh, a grocery store in Buffalo. Sometimes it's a mass shooting uh, at Walmart, like we saw in El Paso. Sometimes, as you note, uh, there are over 448 instances of gun violence in or around uh, the top, I believe, 12 grocery stores in America. A lot of those are fights in parking lots. All of that has an impact on business. What does it mean that I have to close my store for a day, a week, a couple of hours because there's a gun, in, gun event? What does it mean for my ability to retain customers? What does it mean for my ability to retain employees, particularly if my store is located in an area with high rates of gun violence? That uh, has an impact on me as a as a business. It may even you know increase my insurance rates, for instance, right? It costs me more money. And so what I'm encouraging businesses across America to do is to begin talking, making the business case for why tightening gun laws is better for their business in the same way that businesses now understand if we don't take action to reduce the speed of climate change, they're going to pay the business cause. So it's why they're at the table. It's why they're trying to make change. It's why they're lobbying on this issue. And I'm arguing that that is no less true when it comes to guns. And so American businesses all across the country need to wake up. We as customers yeah. have the power to push them to do that. By the way, gunsdownamerica.org. Yes. If folks want to want to do that, because and I'll just say one final thing: the 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 utility of this approach is that corporations are driven mainly by brand identity, right? That is the most valuable asset they have. How does the customer view my brand now? How do I position my brand for a future economy, for the next generation, so that I can continue being a productive business? And we're at a point now where customers expect brands and corporations to reflect their values. Corporations understand that. And so the incentives for change, for the corporation to do the right thing, to begin talking about this issue, to stop donating to lawmakers who take money from the NRA are just far clearer and easier for us to overcome as, as advocates, as consumers, than it is today in the political context, right? Where we're talking about gerrymandered districts. We're talking about, um, you know, all of these, uh, uh, all these, um, you know, political um, uh, challenges, right? For conservative politicians to to come to come over to the to the right side of the issue. And I'm not saying we don't deal with that. We have to, but. People are dying every single day. It's our responsibility to activate the voices who have power in society to help. And I believe grocery stores, banks, other corporations yeah. 
You'll be at the very front lines. I have two last quick final questions. What What do you say to, you know, with Uvalde? And it's not the only one. I mean, there was a security guard in Buffalo. Um, a lot of people's stance for a long time, and of course, Ted Cruz posted it too. Oh, you know, we need armed, arm the teachers. Arm, you know, and I mean, I think one of the saddest parts of Texas is that, you know, all those police officers we know were in that school for 90 minutes, you know, 70 minutes, whatever it was. I mean, what do, what do you say to that when we're arming people and they can't stop the gunmen? I mean, look, people like Ted Cruz are interested in helping gun manufacturers sell more guns. Uh, one, I know uh, they're interested 100%. in helping gun manufacturers secure large contracts with school districts uh, in order to arm teachers. That <sighs> is the economic interest. Ted Cruz is not a stupid man. Uh, he's an opportunist. Yet he understands that there is absolutely no research in the world that has shown that arming teachers or arming uh, security guards in grocery stores or banks um, is in any way effective on a mass scale in preventing mass shootings. And as we saw uh, in Texas, when uh, the police, for a whole host of reasons, right, refused to go into that school, at least part of that reason, I think, had to be the fact that the shooter was able to access incredibly powerful weapons that in some ways may even outgun law enforcement. That's the, the problem here. We have to, again, tackle and close the, 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 the tap uh, of easy access to firearms, not put all of our focus on how do we prevent people from using the guns that they can so easily obtain. <sighs> Um, final question. A lot of people listening to this are just so going to be so fired up and they're activists in their own right. And you are a precious gem who I'm just so grateful for. I mean, the work you do is unbelievable. You are an incredible human being and American. Thank what you. are you doing to take care of you? I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot emotionally. And like, we need you. I mean, <laughs> I need to preserve you. I mean, do, can we, do you need money for therapy? What can we do? I mean, how are you taking care of you? And I think it's important you share that because for other people listening that want to get into passionate work, whether it be, um, you know, guns or, you know, advocating for stricter gun laws or whatever their passion is, how do you take care of you? No, I, I appreciate the question. And I think it's a challenge that advocates in this space deal with every day, certainly survivors yes. uh, of gun violence. For them, it's, it's, it's even harder. I'll say personally, you know, I try very hard. And I think as I've gotten older, I'm better at this of really taking time uh, away yeah. Uh, weekends, uh, preserving those weekends, not working uh, on those weekends. As as I'm getting older, uh, I'm getting better. Um, but also, you know, and and this, I also did this. I just quickly, I uh, was born in Kiev, uh, and so I'm Ukrainian. Um, and we, you know, came to America almost uh, 30 years ago now. So it's been a while. But when when the war started in February, uh, I was really hit by it in a way that I wasn't anticipating, mostly because it really created a, a, a delineation for me of what my life would have been like had we stayed. And the irony of if we had stayed in Ukraine and Kiev, uh, I would have been telling people to pick their guns up as opposed to now telling mm -hmm. Americans to put their guns down, quite, quite literally. But I made the decision that in order to kind of shield myself a little bit emotionally, 
I wouldn't watch any of the cable news coverage uh, of the war that I would just listen to NPR, to BBC, to some independent Russian radio, um, but I would not uh, really take in the images. That would be too difficult. And I really apply the same rule to my work in guns. You know, I, for instance, don't know the names of any of the shooters. Um, in the recent mass shootings, when I read them in news accounts, I very quickly skip over them. Um, I don't really know some of the emotional stories that came out uh, from Texas. Um, I know the story about the young woman, I believe, who smeared blood on her friend's blood on herself, but that's just, it just broke through. But I really, for me personally, to be able to do this work and to think strategically about how can we make progress on this issue, I feel like I have to some degree insulate myself uh, from the human emotional <laughs> dynamic of this. And it's not because I'm dead inside, although a little bit, but I think we're a lot these days, but yeah, I'll yeah, say yeah. that. You know, but I also work very cl closely with with families, with survivors. And so, you know, I, I don't know if, if your listeners know uh, Manuel and Patricia Oliver, uh, who lost their son Joaquim in the Parkland shooting. Um, they are just incredible, inspiring advocates who fight for their son's memory, yeah, getting emotional in incredibly uh. dramatic and, and powerful ways every single day. And, and we work, we have the honor of, of working closely with them. And so I feel I get you know, that kind of emotional connection from the work. And I'll say one final thing is as difficult as this work is for me, for somebody who hasn't thankfully uh, experienced or been directly touched by gun violence, for someone like Manuel and Patricia to wake up every single day and to, to think of these incredibly creative campaigns to keep the memory uh, of their son alive, to understand that their son Joaquin isn't just a victim of gun violence, that he's an advocate uh, now to, to uh, end gun violence is so incredibly inspiring. And I think if they can wake up and they can do this work yeah. every single day, then I, uh, should be able to as well. And I find that personally um, just incredibly motivating, inspiring, and, and something that really keeps me going. Oh, you are unbelievable. I mean, I just, I became a mom. I have a 15-month-old son now since you were on the show last. And oh, once you become a parent, thank you. But it's it's a whole nother, you know, just opens up a whole new thing. But um, I'm so grateful for your time. I want everybody to follow you, Igor Volsky, on Twitter. You're the executive director of Guns Down America. Everybody needs to follow them as well. They're on Twitter. Donate, donate. Buy Please. the book, Guns Down. Please. <laughs> By the way, I will just say, oh. if you, when you go to Guns Down America, you will see a little a box right at the top there with some great Guns Down America merch. And so I, I highly recommend uh, they make great uh, personal fashion statements, but also wonderful gifts. Oh, my God. You I should are... be wearing something right now and I'm dying. <laughs> now I feel bad. Yeah, okay. um, look, I never want to have you as a guest on ever again, but I, I, I adore you so much. I think you're so brave. Um, I know, you know, you don't want a lot of praise, but truly um, keep it up. And I just mm -hmm. think what you're doing, you have such a stronger impact than you ever know. And I think for all of us in our work, sometimes you think, well, shit, why am I doing this? You know, not, not a damn thing matters, but you... Igor really are changing everything in America and what you do is so important. Well, so thank you. I appreciate you. you saying that. And, you know, as an immigrant to this country, I truly, you know, a country that gave me so much opportunity as we discussed the contrast. Yes. That I, I truly consider it an honor, sincerely, to be able to do this kind of work uh, to, to, you know, help us build 
uh, stronger fabric, stronger communities, safer communities. So, so thank you. Those words mean a lot. Uh, and it just, it's a true honor to be able to do what I'm doing. Ah, oh, adore you. Thank you, Igor. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Oh my God. Okay.